Hey friends, welcome to the Redeemer Queens Park podcast. Redeemer exists to help connect Jesus to people, people to community, and community to mission. We're gathering on Saturdays at 3 p.m. to worship God and fellowship. If you ever have any questions, or if we could be of help in any way at all, then please give us a shout at hello at redeemerqp.com. We hope you'll be encouraged as you hear another one of our Bible talks. Let's listen to the next episode. John Ortberg says this, Anytime you see life flourishing, it is because it is receiving nourishment from outside of itself. You can see this in John 15. It's also the season that we're in as a church community. If uh, if you're new around here, um, we are not just a, a church that gathers right here. There are categories for this. Uh, we would see ourselves as a living organism. We're growing, we're changing, we're taking shape with time. Uh, we're also a growing organization as we are a not-for-profit charity work right here in London, seeking to be a blessing to people around us. We want to be something that is indeed growing, not just in one place, but we're actually taking shape and we're moving from status to status over time. We're in a two-year uh, campaign where we're thinking about what does it look like for us to have deep roots into God? What does it look like? For, what would it look like for us in time to have broad fruits that spread out from us all throughout the place? And there's Ortberg with a helpful thought for us. Anytime we see something thriving, it's because it's pulling life from outside of itself. Um, so so here's, the, here's the question for you and me this afternoon. Uh, what do you use to nourish yourself so that you can thrive? How do you flourish? What are you drawing on? What are the roots of your life locked on to? What are you attaching to so that you can thrive? Living the way of Jesus requires time with Jesus. Um, it's not something we can merely ascribe to and then, and then we got it. No, we have to spend time practicing it and leaning into it and coming back to it again and again and again. Spiritual growth is a lifelong journey. Um, it's not a one-time event and you can't simply spend about an hour or so a week uh, to achieve it or to accomplish it. It's something that's all-encompassing. It's going to take all of all of us. Our spiritual lives, they do need to be nurtured. They do need to be brought along by coming to the Bible and reading it, by prayer and depending on God, by meditating on God, getting around one another, receiving the strength of the community and being led by the Spirit. But what we're talking about here is bigger than me, it's bigger than you. It's all of us coming together to be about this. Coming of the Holy Spirit in our midst because God will come where He's wanted. So we're trying to want Him more as a faith family. That's where we are. So anytime we see something growing, it's because it's attached to something else where it can draw life. That's our question. What do you use? What do I use? What are we depending on so that we can thrive? The gospel accounts, these uh, biographies of Jesus, these narrative accounts of the life of Jesus, we're given four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And obviously today we're in John, but they all begin with some similar activity. Jesus is walking around and he's inviting people. Hey, come, come and spend some time with me. Come, come and spend some time with me. He's a rabbi and he's looking at people looking for someone to follow. 
And Jesus' invitation is for people to come and invest some of that time with Him. When we might be thinking all the way out here today, it's like, well, yeah, I'm, a, I'm about this life, but like I'm not, I haven't received a, a personal invitation to come from Jesus for Him to come and spend time with Him. Like, I came into this some other way. So what does it look like for us to practically spend time with Jesus today? Well, if you were to look back into John chapter 14, verse 6, we'll get a clue of what this looks like. John 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we want to spend time with Him. We want to be tied into Him. Yeah, as you read the rest of chapter 14, leading up to where we are today, you see Jesus promises the Holy Spirit in verse 15. He said, this is going to be to your benefit. I'm going to leave. The Spirit is going to come. And this is how you're going to spend time with me. You're going to be connected to me through my Spirit. So what does it look like for us to spend time with Jesus by means of the Spirit and eventually make our way to the Father? That's what we're holding to this afternoon. Here's a picture that can help illustrate what we're talking about. Picture of a root, pretty gnarly one at that, but being tied down and connected to a stream. Again, the idea, anything that's alive, it's got to be drawing that life from somewhere else. Um, with, that, with that picture on the screen, a, a scripture that the Lord had in my heart uh, this week, thinking about you, thinking about our gathering, thinking about this journey that we're on together, it actually comes from Jeremiah chapter 17. Let me read that for us now. This is what the word of the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. By the way, that, that gave me chills. It's the idea that prosperity is going to come, but this kind of a person, they won't get to see it. So it's not the idea that thriving is not going to happen. No, no, there's going to be times of prosperity. There's going to be a time of thriving, but this kind of person will not be able, able to participate in it. Word of the Lord goes on. John 17 is verse 6. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. When the times of prosperity come, they will not be able to participate in it. They will dwell in the parched places in the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. But there's good news. It's the, it's the picture that you can see here. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes and its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and it never fails to bear fruit. And then, if you're like me, you remember like three verses from Jeremiah? Well, that one of those three is next, right? So it's like, well, let's lean in. Let's lean in for this. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond a cure. Who can understand it? Right there from Jeremiah. We're given the picture of the two ways to live. And then he just drops it right there for us. Now listen, your heart's kind of deceitful, so why don't you just think about what we just said? How are we doing? Like where are we drawing strength, right? When you see the picture right there in Jeremiah, we can be like this one who's trusting in self, Bible's like, yeah, but spiritually, here's, here's how that's going to work. You're going to be like a tree planted in the desert. There's not going to be much to draw from, pull from. Eventually, you're going to wither, and you're going to be blown around like some bush in a windstorm. And when the blessing comes, you're not going to be in it. It's like, thanks for that boast of confidence. Yeah, but like then you get into the next one, and it's like, but look, here's the other way to go. A tree put down in the stream of water. Never a fear. 
you're going to be able to thrive. Have you ever met somebody like that? You ever seen somebody? It's like they, they just have something to them. It's more than hype. It's more than spin. It's more than positivity. It's more than like having a perfectly balanced pH balance, you know? It's like there's something to them. They are drawing from a deeper well. There's something about the way they're able to go through the course of this world. They're, they're pulling on something that's clearly beyond them. And God says this is what His church ought to be like. This is who He's created us to be. This is the journey. He's shaping us into this. If we'll just let Him have His way with us. So we need to be able to draw. We need to be able to draw from something else, from someone else. The Word of the Lord in Jeremiah right there. It's possible, my friend. It's possible to have a spiritual life that there's, there's no fear when the heat gets turned up on you. You can bear fruit in all the different seasons. No worries when you hit a dry spell, a drought, because you're anchored in. You'll never fail to bear fruit. Over here, over here to Jesus then, right? We're trying to get a constant awareness of God. We're trying, to have, we're trying to figure out like what does it look like for us to be able to grow. And from John 15, we have the good news. John 15 is really, really simple. If you want to grow, you need to be with Jesus. You want to grow, you need to be with Jesus. If, if, if you're growing, you're drawing strength from something outside of you. And if you want to grow, you need to be with Jesus. Let's see him explain it right there in verse 1. I am the tree vine, my father's the gardener. He's identifying himself as the truth of life, as the source of life, as the nourishment for his followers. Just as the vine is a source of life for the branches that are attached to it, this is how it's going to go with you and me. Right there in verse 1. Next slide. It's right there. So just as the vine is the source of life for the branch, so the source of life for followers of Jesus is Jesus himself. I feel like it's something we need to be reminded of. We have to come back to this again and again and again because we're forgetful. Our minds, they just miss this somehow and we go on to thinking it's going to depend on something else. Jesus got me into this. Now let me pay Him back. Sometimes it's even just a warped view of just wanting to do well. It's like, well, let me run off. Let me go do all these epic things for God and then like He'll be proud of me. But no, He's like, no, no, no. You can't even do that without me, so you got to stay in me. If you want to grow, you need to be with Jesus. He is the place of life. He is the place of nourishment. Beautiful picture of a root being planted by the streams of water helps illustrate it. You can just imagine, what would it be like if I were to be planted in the desert? What would it be like if I were to live my whole life trusting in myself, depending in myself? Where would, where would the nourishment ultimately come from? Oh, but we also need to hear this because our hearts are deceitful. Jeremiah is exactly right. Our hearts are deceitful above everything else. And we're going to constantly de develop different schemes, different ways of understanding what the good life is about. And if we're not brought back to this, He is the vine, we are the branches, and it's not the other way around, then we're just going to develop these different schemes of Christianity. One that says, well, I'm so thankful for Jesus. Like He saved my soul. Now I'm going to spend the rest of this life doing things in my own strength. It sounds bizarre when you hear it, but it's not so bizarre when we actually practice it and play it up all through the week. Something I'll struggle with. Well, let him continue. In verses 2-3, through three, he tells us what the gardener is going to be about in his business here. Jesus says, those who do not bear much fruit will be cut off from the vine, while those who do bear good fruit are going to be pruned so they can have even more fruit. So have we, here we have a metaphor for the consequences for following Jesus and the consequences for not following Jesus right here. 
So those who don't follow Jesus, we're cut off, we spend our lives cut off from the source of life. And Jesus is like, so when we get to the end, there's, there's no life there. So you actually spend eternally, eternity separated from the source of life. But Jesus has good intentions. He says, so here's, here's what the Father is going to do. The Father intends to bear fruit through you. You look in verse 8, this is how the Father is glorified. By, by, by the vine and the branch bearing much fruit. And this is what the gardener is going to do. The gardener who's the Father is going to come along the vineyards of our lives and He is going to cut back things that keep us from bearing the best fruit possible. Um, the research for this message today, it had me drawn off into some different areas I wasn't expecting. I was studying attachment theory and uh, psychology. We'll get, we'll get into that in just a little bit. I was also just trying to get into a little bit of horticulture. Found out, did you know rose bushes, they actually produce more rose buds than they actually have the vine to sustain? Blew my mind. Check this out. Maybe Wikipedia told me wrong, but like when you go look into this, did you know rose bushes, they're putting up more buds than the actual vine can make live? So if you want some awesome roses, what you're going to do, you're going to come to this bush and you're going you're gonna to pin it back. You're, you're going to cut it up. And when, you're doing, when, when this is happening, it looks like a mess. You just, you, just made a, you just made a mess of this thing. Like, it'll never live now. Look at it. But that's the actual means of it being able to produce a few good roses. Um, in a community group this week, this is just a little overflow. We're over at the we're over at the Rudd's house, and somebody was in there, and they were they were they were talking about how uh, the person grew up um, where their family actually owned vineyards in Switzerland. And I'm like, sign me up for this. So they were telling us um, actually how it goes with with the vineyards, and it's it's, it's as soon as the buds come, that's as soon as you want to go in there and cut. And how it might seem like, oh, you're just doing the buds wrong. No, no, no. What you're actually doing is you're strengthening the vine and you're strengthening the root by cutting back the buds of what could be. I wonder if we can find ourselves, if like the Spirit of God searching us in this moment and showing us some of the things that He's been doing in our lives over the last couple of years. I don't want to always play up the COVID card. We're living in London. All kinds of things have happened to us across this, this, this last year and these last couple of years. I wonder if we could just look back and we could see through the lens of this text, that was actually God. That was actually God who came to me in that moment and He, he pruned that thing. I, I, I'm not coming into your story and reading up every little be, bit in detail for you, just like I wouldn't want you to do that with me, but I'm just saying, could we allow this text, could we allow verses 2 and 3 to form a lens we can search our hearts and our stories? We can allow this to prove some stuff up for us. Different times and in different ways, it was actually the Father loving us, intending good things for us. So what does He do? He comes to us and He cuts some stuff out of us that would prevent us from bearing good fruit. You just think like plants that the Father has made, the vine is strengthened in a moment. Like the roots are strengthened in the following season by having that good thing that could be taken away. And then we have the, the real invitation of the text. Don't worry, I'm not spending this long on all the points. It's going to go quick. Um, so, so, some things we're told to put away in the Christian life. 
Like Paul talks this up a lot. He's like, look, you got to take that stuff off, put that off. You got to put some new stuff on. We're told things that we have to like remove from our lives and add to our lives. There's a sense of relaxation here. It's like you're passive. The father's coming in, the father's seeing the person that he's going to make you into. And he's saying, we're going we're gonna to take this piece out. It hurts, you feel it. But he's aiming for fruit. He's teaching us about a gardener who's doing his work. He has a vision. He knows the seasons that are coming. He, he's done some research. He knows where this thing's headed. And there we have this beautiful word that we're brought back to again and again and again. Mineo. Which means to remain or abide or stay or to make your home in. And this is what Jesus is saying to us. He's like, I know you feel the pruning of the Father. He's there in love. He's aiming for a fruitful future there. Rest in this. Make your home in me now. Come on. Make your home in me. Let me make my home in you. You rest in me. Stay in me. Let me, let me rest in you. Let me stay in you. And where this is headed, my friends, this is not an invitation for all of us to quit our jobs on Monday and move to a monastery together. This is, this is us learning to live in two places at once. This is, learning to, this is learning to leave here tonight and be doing Saturday night in London and resting in Jesus at the same time. This isn't like, oh, I can only have one here. No, no, no. This is the way of Jesus in London. This is waking up on a Sunday morning. Already got church on Saturday. Clear. You got the day to yourself. What are you going to do, right? This is sunny Sunday in London and learning to rest in Jesus at the same time. This is waking up on Monday morning. Maybe it's just you you got to look after. Maybe you got a few more in the house that woke up in the bed with you, right? And this is waking up in that moment, preaching to myself right now, right? Being in that bed and being in Jesus at the same time, resting in Him, thinking about Him, depending on Him. This is turning up at the office on Monday morning, having a look around and thinking, I am in this space now, but I am also resting in Jesus. I live in the way of Jesus. I'm depending on Jesus. Today, my roots are in Jesus. This is going throughout the day. This is going throughout the week. This is receiving terrible news in the last week. My roots are resting in Jesus, though. Terrible news can come. I actually have some anchoring and some rooting that's holding me together. Great things can come our way this week and we're resting in Jesus and we're receiving great news at the same time. Resting in Jesus and receiving the news that somebody's moving away. Resting in Jesus, being called into your line manager's office. Resting in Jesus, having coffee or drinks with friends. It's being in two places at once. This is what Jesus calls us up to. He says, you're going to be in all these places. You're going to be there trusting in yourself or you're going to be there trusting in me. So trust in me so you can bear fruit. How about we pick up the speed? Verses four through five, you see what he's saying in here? He says to his followers, abide in me. He's saying he'll abide in you. It's a metaphor for an intimate relationship between Jesus and, and his followers. Just as a branch cannot exist by itself, it cannot live unless it's connected to the vine, so we're not going to be able to live unless we're connected to him. But you hear the emphasis coming. It's not just about being about it. It's about bearing fruit. Can you hear that? Can you see it? Can you see it coming up? The fruit is often an evidence of believer's faith. And so many times what we do, we'll just get these, we'll get the order wrong. We'll, we'll think, no, the, the, the fruit is actually how I get in. And Father's like, no, 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 you can't bear anything on your own. 
No, you get in and then we'll get the fruit worked out over time. What does the fruit look like? Well, it's the, it's the fruits of the Spirit. It's love, it's joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Slowly, over time, being formed in us and being born out of us in our lives. Well, our main job then is just to be connected to Him. Be connected to Him. Like all of you connected to all of Him. And the fruit bearing will happen. Sometimes like there's types of us in here, like the ENFJ type three sorts. Like we just want a list. Like give me something to crush, you know? Like show me a list of tasks that I can slay. And he's like, no, 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 rest in me. Rest in me. Rest in me. That's the list. That's the list. So it's having 30, 40 minutes freed up later tonight and finding a way. How do I have 30, 40 minutes freed up on a Saturday night and rest in Jesus? Could be Bible, could be word, could be prayer, could watch a sermon, listen to something, sing. That's the list. Rest in Jesus and He will lead you. So our main job is to be connected to Jesus. Primary focus on being present with Him. Every way, everything else has a way of falling into place. This is a church. We're about spiritual formation. We want to talk about things. We want to provide resources to shape you and to inform. We want to help you fill that time with Jesus. But that's not primary. The primary thing is you being with Jesus and learning to live in two places at once. That's what we're trying to do. So in verse 6, if you remain in me, if, if you remain in me, you're like a branch If you do not remain in me, you'll be like a branch that's thrown away withers. Branches are picked up, thrown into a fire, and burned. So Jesus states, those who don't abide, they'll be thrown away because they're already withered. They'll be cut off. They're already dead. So they're handed over to death. So I found myself in attachment theory, right? Um, Yes, thinking about some stuff with me. Also just thinking and praying some stuff for us. Um, Good news is that all uh, attachments, um, all, the, all the different times, all the different ways that we've attached ourselves to another person. For some of us in here, we, we, we grew up like with an attachment, like there's something here for mom, like there's something here for dad. And tragically, mom or dad taken from us. Tragically, mom or dad actually just turned and went. Perhaps worst of all, mom or dad was present but not with like around, but there was no real connection. Kind of like one of those vines that you see just kind of hanging on to the side of a building. It's like there's nothing in here. It's just kind of around. And what we experience from time to time is uh, things that we're hanging on to for a source of life. Like I'm, I'm holding on to you, like feed something into me. This is what we do in our relationships, specifically a child with a parent. But we also do this like, Man to man, woman to woman, man to woman around the room and through friendships and all sorts of things, we hold on to each other. It's like, look, I'm tying into you now. Like, I need something here. Sometimes these attachments get broken and we actually have deprivation. Sometimes when it's broken, we actually need to be healed. And uh, the good news is Christianity actually offers a source of healing for our broken attachments deprivations we've experienced in the course of our lives. Maybe you look back in your story and it's a parent that should have been there for you that wasn't for one reason or another. You feel a deprivation. You can actually bring that deprivation to God 
And you, and you, can, you can say to God, you tell me that you have life and nourishment. I need you to be life and nourishment for me in this. And bring it to God. We feel different times we've been deprived relationally. We can actually bring that to God. and We can ask God to provide healing and help. Not in some general sense over our lives. You can bring Him specific relational hurts. And you can root down to Him and you can attach to Him. And you can allow Him to flow life into you. God is described over 200 times in the Old Testament as uh, having this hesed love. The Hebrew words transliter- transliterated H-E-S-E-D or C-H-E-S-E-D. We, we don't really know what this is. Um, a quality of, of God like for us. Um, God says it in Hosea 6.6, 6, for I delight in loyalty or I delight in love rather than sacrifice. The Hebrew word for um, this form of hesed is devoted or faithful or unchanging love. Could God be speaking of an attachment love that our hearts really, really long for? God says, I love you with an attachment sort of love. I love you with the sort of love that's going to anchor onto you and it's going to root into you. I found that beautiful. I don't, I don't know if you're, you're tracking with that, but here, I mean, here we are hearing from Jesus. Tie into me. Tie into me. But could it be all throughout the Old Testament? God making promises to a group of people who had hearts that were far from Him? I'm going to tie into you. I'm going to attach to you. I'm going to wrap the roots of my love around you. I'm going to tie into you. Old Testament says it like this in two different places. God says to us, even if mothers were to forget, I could never forget you. Isaiah 49.15 should be on the same slide. Even if my father and my mother abandoned me, the Lord will hold me close. Similar idea there. He'll attach. He'll remain. He'll hold. Psalm 27 verse 10. I'm not trying to make too much of this. Just led here, so just deliver it as it goes. Our need for attachment, our need for mother love, our need for father love, and the assurance of abundance. Um, it can actually open up new levels of enjoyment in God as God meets all of our needs. John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit from apart from me. You can do nothing. So we, we just remember, we're branches, right? We're branches. According to Jesus, we can do nothing. I, I don't know if you're like looking for like the boat of confidence tonight, like this really isn't it, but it's confidence in a different way. Branches have no unending source of resilience in themselves. Branches are only good if they're attached to another and drawing resource and supply from another. Um, interestingly, um, even with the word attachment, Isaiah 49 verse 15 you think about this, God is the fountain of life, and He has no problem concluding this right here. Even the need of a child nursing at a mother's breast, receiving nourishment from the child. God is saying in the midst of that as a metaphor for understanding your connection or attachment to Him, even if she would forget you, I will never forget you. It's amazing, His love. It's powerful. 
And that's the kind of like rhetorical device. It's like, well, surely she's going to know you're there and I will always know that you are there. It's overwhelming, hesed love. I love you. God says, I'm for you. I'm with you. So the goal of the Christian faith then is much more than just church attendance. It's much more than doctrinal beliefs. It's being connected. It's being attached. It's being tied in with this God. Uh, the Puritan, Henry Chicago, said it like this, Christians know by experience that true religion is a union of the soul with God, a real participation in the divine nature. So we attach to God. We attach our souls to God. We take all of that desire and ability to find it through another person or in our own selves, and we put it on God, and we lock into God. And we bring those different fears that we have. How's it going to go with me? What about this wound in my past? We bring that men and women alike, to God, asking for His healing and asking for His help. Verses 7 and 8. He goes on to say, If you remain in Me and My words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, it will be done for you. This is My Father's glory that you're going to bear a lot of fruit and show prove up to be My disciples. So Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13 that you could have great virtue, but it's possible not to be supernaturally changed. Some atheists that have actually a pretty clear understanding of theology, like they got the propositions down pat, but there's no relationship. Therefore, there's no heart transformation. Jesus said you're going to have to have a righteousness that exceeds that of scribes and Pharisees. I mean, they had the propositions on lock. He's saying you're going to need something a little more than that. And here's where it's all headed. All religions have lists. The difference is that Christianity, the list, they're fruits. And this is what he's driving after. This is what he's driving after. Fruits. There is a list. There is something to attain. There is something to show up. And it's fruits. It's fruits. It's fruits. When I was uh, studying in a seminary, um, one of my professors, Andy Davis, taught us, uh, taught us theology. He said one way to, one way to imagine the, the last judgment, one way to imagine the judgment, is imagine Jesus walking through a vineyard and he's a fruit inspector. And he's just looking at trees, the trees of lives, and he's saying, that's me. Yeah, that's with me. This is not with me. Yeah, I recognize this. We bore that up. That's with me. That's coming through. Don't know this. That is not me. So what we want, we want to be about, in the weeks ahead, we want to be about thinking more practically about the disciplines of the Christian life, specific habits and things we want to form up in us and we want to carry around in us that will get us on to living in two places at once and ultimately bearing fruit. When it comes to habits, here's some words for the journey ahead, and I'm almost out, I'm, I'm almost out of the way. Dallas Willard says it like this, the first and most basic thing we can and must do is to keep God before our minds. This is the fundamental secret of caring for our souls our part of this is thus practicing the presence of God. That's from a guy named Brother Lawrence. We'll hear from him some next week. And not here, but through the writings. Um, to direct and redirect our minds constantly to Him. In the early time of our practicing, we may well be challenged by our burdensome habits of dwelling on things less than God. He's being very kind to us. He's basically saying, once you press into this, something to know early on, it's going to be difficult. Once you like press into learning to live in two places at once, you might find it's a little harder than easier. And that's okay. We'll bear that in mind as we go. But keep this in mind. But these are habits. They're not the law of gravity. Therefore, they can be broken. 
A new grace-filled habit will replace the former ones as we take intentional steps towards God and steps towards keeping God before us. Soon our minds will return to God as the needle of a compass constantly returns to the north. And if God is the great longing of our souls, He will become the pole star of our inward beings. Just as a compass always knows how to find true north. If we develop some of these practices, if we learn to be with Jesus over time, we will find our souls starting to point to Him more naturally. Something to hang on to. Here's the conclusion. But what if you don't want God? What if you hear all of this and you're sitting there right now and it's like, I don't think I want Him though. Not in some sort of I'm mad at Him sense. Like, Sometimes the fire of my heart doesn't even feel to burn that bright. Like, it's fine, but it feels like it's out there. What do I do if I don't want God? Well, friends, we need to find a way of cultivating hunger for God in the modern world. We need to find some, find some ways to tie into Him in the midst of this distracting world that we live in. We need to find some ways of embracing Him, even though it feels so difficult because we have all these other things embracing us. So here are, just, here are just three offers for you. If you're, if you're finding it difficult to want God, here, here, here are three next steps you could take. Number one, you could get by the fire. Get by the fire. If you want to be warm, you got to get by the fire. You know, if you want to be warm, no matter how cold you are, choosing distance from the fire isn't going to make you any warmer. Sometimes it's like, I want the effects of that, but I don't want to have to go through this to get there. Get by the fire. I, I, I'd invite you, join for prayer. Join us for prayer. We take the values and the traits of the people around us into ourselves, don't we? You ever notice that? Like whenever I hang around around these people while they're sitting up here preparing for one of our gatherings and singing, especially carols, I'm like, I can sing. I can sing. You know, like, I mean, there's something about it. It's almost coming off on you. You're like picking up some characteristics. You're picking up some traits. You ever been around somebody that just loves reading, loves writing? You kind of like get that in you. I, I, could, I could do a little bit of writing myself. You know what I mean? Like get around some athletes, you know, run fast, jump high, throw far. You know, it's like, I think I could think I could have a go, be honest with you. You know what I mean? If you feel cold, come get by the fire. And the fire I want to invite you to is break the soil. It's going down on February 3 and 4, 24 hours of prayer. It's happening in the Redeemer office right over here in the NW10 postcode. And I get it. You're going to have to rearrange some stuff to be a part of that. Yeah, that's part of the way of Jesus. We're going to have to do some adjusting. We're going to have to accommodate some stuff to, to be in for this. Um, a sign-up genius is available through the link in bio on all of our socials, also through that QR code when it comes up later on. You can click that. You can sign up. Come spend one hour. Come spend one hour. Um, some real soldiers of the Lord are already up for like four or six. You come do one, Right? Come spend one hour. Your soul feels cold. Come sit by the fire. Come sit around a couple of people believing in God, depending on God, asking of God, and see if a spark doesn't fly off and hit your soul and lock into you and change you. Come get by the fire. You want to get warm? We're building a fire. Come get by the fire and come be warmed. You, you might also feel well, that, 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 ain't, that, okay, but more. Yep, get the focus off of you like your affections aren't there, you don't really want God, don't really want to be a part of this, that's fine. Serve the next generation. 
Sometimes our problem, we're just looking at us. We're thinking about us, worrying it over us. We're bothered about ourselves. Man, if I looked at me all the time, I would go insane. That's why I'm worried about you. You know, like, get the focus off of you, okay? Get the focus off of you. Quit looking at you. Quit talking about you. Quit going on and on. Get busy with something else. And, and around here right now, Gil, the amazing band, like, we're looking to grow this area. Marichu, Ian. Emily, the things that happen back there with hospitality each and every week, maybe the biggest need we're carrying is what's happening right up behind that wall right now in the kids' work. People who are not believing in God coming to this church every week, looking to be connected to God. Jump in with this. You don't even have to serve every week. We'll put you on a rotation. We'll take you two times a month, fortnightly. We'll take you once a month. But quit thinking about you. Think about some other people. Worry about some other people. And watch if the fire of God doesn't start to come up in you when you get the attention off of you. Third one, and I'll get out of here. Get determined about discipleship. Get determined about it. Stop thinking of Christianity. Stop thinking of the way of Jesus as something you can solve in an hour and 40 minutes a week. Stop. The cross wasn't about that. The call isn't about that. You don't want God? Determined to know God. Determined to push in more than you're pushing right now. And, and this isn't about me. And this isn't about Redeemer. right? You, you take this principle across town to another church that loves Jesus and you work it out there. But work it out. This isn't about this place. This isn't about me or my family. This is about you knowing God. You drawing life from Him. You drawing confidence from Him. You drawing strength from Him. And you bearing fruit that honors the Father and glorifies the Father. That's what we want. Let me close. Matthew 11. He says, come to me. Come to me. It's a verse we can all get on board with. It's like, yeah, give me some of that. I can use that after oh, Monday to Friday. Give me some of this. Yeah, come to me. But don't, don't, don't miss what He requires of you. Take my yoke upon you. Take my way upon you. You gotta take my burden upon you. You're gonna to have to practice my way. You're gonna to have to walk my circle. You're gonna to have to follow my pattern. I can give you relief, but you're gonna to have to work this out my way. John 10 10, Jesus said in another place, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Think about the life that Jesus offers. Not a shallow life, not an hour and 40 minute a week life, a full life. One that sticks with us, one that abides with us. One that will be here. An inner life fueled by an inner power drawing from a deeper well so that you can know God and you can love God. You can receive power from God to have a positive impact on the world around you. This is the final bit. St. Irenaeus, um, early church father, he once wrote, the glory of God is a human being fully alive. That's what God wants. He wants you to be fully alive. Not sleepy. Not half dead not dragging around. He wants you to be fully alive. And the only way you'll be fully alive is if you're fully connected and attached to Jesus. This is the invitation. If you want to grow, you have to be with Jesus. And what is it that would ever inspire our hearts, overcome our deep, dark desires, satisfy our deep doubts about God and fears and insecurities about ourselves? You think about the cross of Jesus Christ. Look at Him inviting you to come and spend some time with Him and to be with Him with arms stretched wide open. How could I can ever connect with Him? You think about His hands and His feet and His side being torn open to make a way for you to come in. You think about 
How could I ever get His life? He actually laid His life down to make your life available and possible. You sit here this afternoon and you think there's no way. I'm totally played out. I'm totally burned out. There's nowhere else to go. I've played all the moves. It's like I feel like I'm good as dead as I'm listening to this man talk about life. You think about what Jesus said on that man, that thief that was hanging on the cross next to him. He had played out all of his options. He had run it all the way to the very end. That man was close to death and as good as dead himself. And Jesus looked at him and said, Today you will be with me in paradise. It's never too late. There's always one more move. And that move is Jesus. He gives life by emptying himself of life so that we can be full. Band, come on up here. Let's stand. We're going to have a word of prayer here and we're going to sing some songs in response to this God.